We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we work and live, the Awabakal and Waramai people, and pay our respects to Elders past and present. We celebrate the stories, culture and traditions of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Elders of all communities who also work and live on this land. You're listening to Boob to Food, the podcast with Luca McCabe and Kate Holm. There is so much noise in the parenting space. And we don't mean the tantruming toddler. We understand it can feel confusing, conflicting and overwhelming. That's why we are bringing our years of experience as a midwife, nutritionist and naturopath. And of course, mums. So that you can confidently navigate the roller coaster of motherhood from boob to food and beyond. Each week you'll hear practical wisdom, expert advice and inspirational stories of other mums in the depths of this parenting journey. Let's, Let's dive, dive in. in. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Boot Food, the podcast. Today we are doing a little bonus episode, a little short and sweet one if Kate and I can manage to keep <laughs> it short and sweet. <laughs> and I am going to be picking Kate's brain all about teething. Kate is a naturopath and a nutritionist and she is amazing with all things natural remedies and also life skills, putting things into practice. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> We've I got five kids. We've been through a lot of teething. Yes. And we know that teething is most of the time inevitable, something that for a lot of children, uh, as much as we want to take away the pain, can't really be avoided. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's more about just supporting them through this time, uh, keeping them as comfortable as we can. And there are definitely some things that we can do to help alleviate some of the symptoms, but we can't avoid teething. Mm. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I've been pretty lucky, actually. My kids didn't really teeth until, actually, I say that. And then, I, you know, and they're just being really whingy and then you see yeah. a teeth and you're like, <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about teeth, but here it is. Yeah. <laughs> but I think some people, uh, yeah, it, their brain just goes straight to teething as an option and mine seems to not until it comes up. But anyway, <laughs> I remember the eye teeth being particularly bad with all of my children and mm. uh, these tips would definitely would have been amazing to know back then. So I'm going to rapid fire pick your brain for a quick short and sweet uh, episode. So what are some of the signs and symptoms of teething and when can we expect it to happen? Mm. So I guess, I mean, teething typically will occur anywhere between sort of four months old. And then once it starts, it's relentless until about Mm. two years of age (laughs) once those molars come through. And so, I mean, it really does make sense that like basically in the first two years of life, any time that you're like, what's going on with my child? Is it teething? Like it's a pretty reasonable question to be asking because there are a lot of teeth there that have to come through. Every child will tolerate teething differently. And as you said, some teeth are worse than others in terms of the pain that the children experience. So yeah, I would say keep it in your mind. Some of the common symptoms that we'll see would be things like decreased appetite, excessive drooling, you know, they'll be wanting to chew on everything around them. They can be irritable. You might see that their gums are quite red and swollen. I remember even with Jude, he had one that was like this 
big purple welts, like it looked really bruised until the teeth, the tooth came through. Um, and yeah, it can be, you know, any or all of those symptoms. Sometimes children will get a little bit of a fever. Um, sometimes they will get changed bowel motions as well. Not always, but they're sort of the main things. Um, and then I guess with the lack of appetite, that can be something that as children are starting solids, it's often you know, at the front of people's minds, they want their child to be eating and they're not sure if it's because of teeth or because of something else related to the food that they're having. Um, but yeah, it can be definitely a big thing that we see reduced appetite or wanting to eat different foods. So things that are much softer or cooler, um, often kids will go for. Hmm. And so are there any ways that we can make teething less painful for our children? Yes. I mean, there are lots of things that you can implement and we'll chat through some of those options, but I really like to remind families that it's not necessarily our job to take away the pain and teething isn't a medical emergency or even really a medical event. I kind of joke that I'm like, it's such a cruel design flaw that we even (laughs) have to go through it. But then I think like if your newborn came out with a mouthful of teeth, that's probably worse. So (laughs) I'm sure it's purposeful. (laughs) And so really our job is to just be with our children and to support them through the discomfort, to offer them reassurance, to give them lots of love, lots of cuddles, and just, yeah, I guess, support them to navigate the discomfort there. We can try to reduce the pain and we can try to reduce the discomfort, but we don't necessarily need to be making sure that we take it away. I don't even know that that's entirely possible. So just keep that in mind. Um, Yeah, comfort and cuddles go a really, really long way. Mm. And so when you say offer comfort, do you mean nursing, like more breastfeeding? Do you mean more cuddles? Yeah, both, I guess. So breastfeeding, definitely. But even if your little one is bottle fed, formula fed, that's still going to be helpful. Um, Mm. Just that sucking action can really help to relieve some of the pressure that they're experiencing on their gums and alleviate some pain. Breast milk specifically also contains compounds that are analgesic, so like pain relieving in itself. Mm -hmm. And then the process of feeding and cuddling is going to release our hormone oxytocin, which is such a beautiful pain relief naturally as well. So nurse on demand, lots of cuddles, yeah, whether it's breastfeeding, bottle feeding, whatever your family does, they're all going to provide some relief for your little one. Yeah, I guess it's important as well to note that if your little one is teething and oftentimes they will go off solids. They Mm. might want to ramp up their milk feeds, one, to get more calories, but two, for comfort. Um, And so feeding on demand is best practice there. So when they're asking for it, letting them have some milk. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And so practical talking, Mm -hmm. what are some practical things that we can do to help with the teething pain? Yeah. So definitely applying pressure on the gums can be really helpful to alleviate some of that pain and then also to really eventually help that tooth break through. And that's going to be one of the reasons why babies will try to chew on everything at this time. There's other reasons for that. They're doing it anyway, but definitely allowing them to chew on things and also applying something cold can help to 
numb the gums. So that will give a little bit more pain relief too. Mm. So some options that you could think of would be things like frozen capsicum sticks, um, just making sure obviously these aren't going to be appropriate for every age. So once your child has commenced solid, things like frozen capsicum sticks, staying with them so that you make sure they're not, you know, chomping off big pieces. But capsicum in particular has an active compound called capsaicin, which again is anti-inflammatory and analgesic. So providing some of that pain relief locally and then being frozen, it's going to be nice and firm and also nice and cold. You could do things like chilled or frozen fennel sticks um, or even frozen or chilled fruit in a silicon feeder. And if your little one hasn't started solids yet, then doing frozen breast milk in a silicon feeder as well. So that can be, yeah, I mean, they're not starting on a, a food. It's just um, that what they're already consuming. But again, nice and cold, putting some pressure on the gums um, can be really helpful there too. Yeah, and you can use colostrum too if you yes. were antenatally expressing. Yeah. We just want to make a note, you can't freeze most formulas. Mm. So just check if you, um, there are a couple of brands that say that you can, um, but if your formula feeding is generally not recommended to freeze it. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to have those, I don't know what they're called. They were like some kind of silicon thing that was filled mm. with liquid and you put it in the freezer and yep. then they can hold that and chew on that, which yeah, nice lots of well. chew toys. And just on the um, the frozen breast milk, we do have like a recipe and in the instructions for a mumsicle on Instagram. I think it's on Instagram, on the website, and also in Milk to Meals. So yeah. you'll be able to find that somewhere. But even things that are not food-based, like aren't going to be ingested, just like a cold metal spoon can be good, um, a cold wet face washer, or yeah, there's heaps of teething toys out there that you can offer as well. Mm. And we've shared on Instagram before about a chamomile chew cloth, which we'll put in the show notes, the link to that. Mm -hmm. Can you just quickly talk us through what this is and how it might help? Yes. So chamomile is such an amazing children's herb. It, I mean, has so many applications for children and adults as well, but particularly in terms of teething, it's really good for helping to settle the nervous system and it can help to reduce some of that pain and discomfort um, and just the, you know, kind of stress that accompanies teething for our babies. Um, So the recipe, I won't talk through exactly what to do, but we'll make sure that we link that one. But basically you're just making a really strong infusion of chamomile. So from chamomile tea, you can use loose leaf or you can use tea bags, and then you'll be soaking clean, fresh face washes or flannels or cloths of some description in that tea. And you want to leave to leave it to soak for about 30 minutes. And then once it's soaked and those, you know, cloths have absorbed a lot, you're going to squeeze them out lightly and then layer them with some baking paper and pop them in the freezer in a sealed container. And then you've basically got a stash that you can use whenever you need them. Um, I'd just say that when you do go to use them, make sure that you allow them to thaw slightly. Um, We just don't want to give our babies freezer burn (laughs) when they're chomping on it. But yeah, basically just give it to them then to chew and suck on. So they'll be getting some of the therapeutic effects of the chamomile, as well as that nice, you know, cold and pressure on the gums. So that's a, a really, really easy, simple and effective remedy that you can do at home. Yeah, cool. And if your little one is on solids, I guess the other things that we can offer are things that are called resistive foods. Mm. So they're foods that they can't ingest or swallow, but they're great ones to teeth on and mouth around on, which is also just great for mapping the mouth and um, 
learning how to chew as well. So things like mango pits are really great, Uh, pineapple cores, corn on the cob, the uh, things like bones, so rib Mm. bones, uh, chicken drumsticks, they're really great for, I guess, eliminating that risk of choking because those foods Mm -hmm. are too big for that. Obviously still monitor and watch your child while they're eating them, but they're really good ones to bite down on instead of biting down on your nipple. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, you can just offer your finger as well. Like if you're, you know, out and about rather than like the dirty keys that have been your handbag or something, if you've got a clean finger, like baby will happily chomp on that. But yes, be warned. (laughs) There can be quite a lot of force in their little jaws. (laughs) Yeah. So are there any physical things that we can do to help support our baby? Yeah, I would say offering a gentle face massage that can be so nice for releasing the tension that can build up along the jaw. So as those teeth are emerging, the yeah jaw um, up towards the ears can become really tight. And so just softly, you want to massage, you know, doing small sort of light pressure circles along their cheeks and up towards the ears. If your baby doesn't like it, they'll let you know. So don't force them. <laughs> they don't have to have a face massage, but many babies will quite like that connection. And then also the physical release of that tension in their face. Mm. You can do that just with your fingers, or you can also dilute something like, you know, a chamomile or lavender essential oil, put that in a bit of say coconut oil or jojoba oil, or even, you know, if there's any sort of cream that you use at home, you can use that as well. And then massage that just extra externally along the cheek and the jawline, um, that can be really nice. And again, that bonding and connection, releasing oxytocin can also be helpful there. Yeah. That sounds less. I I know. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like a massage. (laughs) And what are your thoughts on the amber necklaces? Is there any research around these actually working? I mean, I liked them for my children, but I couldn't speak to specific research about them. Um, Anecdotally, many families say that they are highly effective for their children um, and they quite like them. At the same time, I have heard that there's some concern around um, choking and strangulation. So, Definitely you want to be using caution and, you know, following the manufacturer's guidelines around wearing it. So, you know, taking it off when the child goes to sleep and those sorts of things. Um, It is, you know, around the child's neck. So I can understand that there is that increased risk of strangulation. With the brands that I've seen in terms of choking on the beads themselves, um, usually the individual beads are sewn on the necklace. So if the necklace was to snap, for example, only one bead will come off and they're very small. So it's not going to occlude the airway. Um, if it is swallowed, it, sh- it would just pass out the other side, which, you know, it's not ideal. <laughs> I wouldn't be encouraging anyone to eat them. Um, but you're not going to end up with, you know, a bed full of amber beads if that happens. Um, but at the same time, you know, use your own discretion. If, you want to use one and you find it effective for your child, then I think that's wonderful. And if you're not keen on the idea or you haven't found it to be effective, then that's totally fine too. There's so many other things that we can implement. So yeah, I wouldn't say you have to, or you don't have to either is fine if it suits your family. And is it correct that the amber needs to be like close to where the pain is to work as in, could you put it on the ankle or wrist? My understanding of it is that amber is naturally considered to be analgesic. And I guess there's two ways that you can look at this. 
So part of it is to do with um, a compound that is secreted from the amber when it's on the body. And I guess given that little ones are so small, it probably doesn't need to be really close to the area of pain. So if it was on the ankle, for example, you'd still be getting some of those properties. Then there's the more, I guess, energetic perspective that I know is not (laughs) necessarily going to resonate with everyone, but amber as a crystal from that perspective is considered to be quite grounding, um, quite soothing, in which case it doesn't necessarily need to be on the body at all. It just needs to be close to the body. But yes, look, there's many ways that you can look at it and (laughs) depends, I guess, on the lens you take and and what level of... um, evidence or or not you're after. So like I said, it's a personal decision. You definitely don't have to use them and you can use them if you want to. So whatever feels right for your family. And lastly, what about medicines? Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you would recommend? Is there a time that you would recommend medicines be used? And what would you recommend we use? So there's lots of homeopathic preparations out there that are specifically designed for teething. Mm. And I find that for a lot of children, these work really, really well. Um, This was all I personally found I needed for my kids. And yeah, I always found the remedies to be quite effective. Again, I mean, within the, you know, homeopathic remedies available, they're going to be different ones that will work better or not so well for certain children, just depending on the child's constitution, what else they might be experiencing. So have a play around um, if that's something that you wanted to explore. And I think it's good to be, you know, keeping in mind that teething is not a medical emergency. So yes, our children can be upset by it, but it's not because there's a pathology, you know, it's not like, um, I guess like childbirth, it's mm-hmm. a pain that has a purpose um, mm-hmm. and that can still be distressing and painful. It's not to diminish that. So in terms of other pain relief, it's totally up to you. I would really encourage families to use it sparingly, like otherwise you've literally got two years of <laughs> pretty much giving your child a painkiller all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can explore some of these other interventions to offer that comfort, then that would be great. And you know your child and you know yourself and your family. So if you need to offer, you know, a medicine, like an actual painkiller, then that's okay as well. So just, yeah, I guess assessing what's tolerable and manageable for you, for your child, for your family, and know that, yeah, there's all of these other things that you can explore as well that will come without. It's not that there's huge side effects, but prolonged usage of medications can have some side effects. So in this instance, I'd be thinking about, for example, changes to the gut microbiome and also coming back to the fact, like we said at the beginning, it's not necessarily that we need to completely eradicate pain. It's helping our child to cope with it and reassuring them that we're there, that we're supporting them and trying to provide comfort in other ways. So Cuddles are excellent medicine um, and, yeah, at the same time, you do what you have to do. That's basically my, like, parenting motto. There's not one right way to go about it, um, but just consider all of the options and, yeah, see what's right for your family. Yeah, and I guess it's important to know that we can do all of these things. We can do all of the natural treatments and sometimes we can use the medical management as well Mm -hmm. and, they can go synonymously together. It doesn't have totally. to be one or the other. Yeah. And for a lot of the time, the these other methods will be enough. And then you might have one of those nights where your child's not sleeping, they're screaming, they have a fever, and mm. you need to resort to the medical management. But I guess that's 
we want to be using it as it's required and not prophylactically. So not in case they have a bad night, not Mm -hmm. in case they're in pain, uh, but if they are symptomatic of it and you, you know, they're distressed and they're not sleeping, then obviously there's definitely times that, and when we talk about medical management generally, we're talking about Panadol and Nurofen here. Yeah. Um, And yeah, there's definitely times that those medicines are, are warranted, but we don't need to give them as a just in case and yeah. that's not how they're really designed to be used. <laughs> mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so when you talk about homeopathic medicine, just quickly, mm. where do people find this? There's actually a lot of products that are available in pharmacies or health food stores. You can reach out to um, us as well. We've got the online clinic and we can prescribe more specifically for your child. But yeah, lots of things that you can find available just in a retail setting as well. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks for letting us pick your brain and hopefully that helps anyone that is dealing with a teething baby and sending solidarity and Mm. love to you. And we hope it doesn't go on for two years. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to Boob to Food, the podcast. We hope this episode made you feel inspired, confident and less overwhelmed in your parenting journey. Head to the show notes for all the resources mentioned on today's episode. And if you loved this podcast, please remember to subscribe, rate and review. See you next week. Bye.